Welcome to season six of the RAG podcast. Now, for those of you who don't know, the RAG stands for Recruitment Agency Growth. And this show has been around since early 2019. And every week, we are obsessed with finding out how the world's most successful and innovative recruitment agencies and their founders have got to where they are today. In season six, alongside the founder's story and the inside information of that business, I also want to focus on the reality of today's economy. There is so much noise about this inevitable recession that we find ourselves in right now. And where it's going to go, is it really having an impact on the recruitment sector? Are they seeing any change in job flow? Are they seeing any change in candidate control or activity? What is going on? I want to find out. So every single week, I want to forget the propaganda, forget the noise. I'm going to speak to a real life recruitment owner and find out what is going on in their business. I will bring it to you every single Wednesday from 12 o'clock across multiple platforms. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the RAG podcast. On this week's show, I'm excited to be joined by Dan Putik. Dan is a is the founder of Lynx Recruitment Group, 25 staff headquartered in Cardiff with offices in Birmingham and Bristol. They have been around just a little bit less time than Hoxo, so mid-2017. Started with his business partners, TIFF, and they specialize in the industrial sector. They do commercial, industrial, and a number of other things in that space. The reason I wanted to interview Dan is they've grown to 25 people. They did that pretty quick. Um, and Dan, having worked with Dan, is one of the most driven, most energetic, almost militant founders that I've come across. Um, but when we caught up recently, he told me about the fact that in the last 12 months, he'd been humbled. He got to a point where he thought he'd made it. He thought, you know, four and a half years in, the business is flying, they're making money, he's investing in different businesses, and he took his foot off the gas. And boy, did he feel it. So in this episode, we talked about how Dan's got to the point where his business is in a great place, but also what happened to the business when he took his foot off the gas. We also talked about Dan being quite a controlling leader and what he's had to do to learn his own what what his own mistakes and and also change himself to make the business flourish dan was super candid super humble in his approach and you can see he's got his fire back to take the business to the next level so anyone listening to this who's thinking about starting a business this is a real honest account of the highs and the lows the shit you got to consider but also if you're in the thick of growth and you think you might be at a point where you can take your foot off the gas Hopefully, this might keep you in the right direction. I'm sure you're going to enjoy this episode. Dan is energetic and, yeah, he's one of those guys that you you can tell he's going to do really well. And uh, I was quite surprised by what I heard. So, without further ado, Dan, welcome to the RAG podcast. Thanks for having me, Sean. I'm, uh, I'm humbled. I've been uh, watching you for a while, so I appreciate yes, you inviting me on. <laughs> You've been selected. You... Yeah. You were one of my, I wanted you on in the early days. I think it was 2019. Yeah. We did a bit of work together and I was like, I wanted you on then, but it never happened. Yeah. So it took a while. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. I think we went a quite, we went, we went dark on each other for a little yeah, while, I'd say. Yeah, you're a busy guy, I'd say. You're, you're <laughs> a really busy guy. I've never known, not <laughs> many people who, who uh, is as busy as you, but we got yeah. you. We finally got you for the next yeah, hour. Did. Let's make the you most did. of it. So Dan. Absolutely. Um, I've done you an intro. I never do it justice. For anyone who's listening, who wants to, who doesn't know you, do us a favor. Give us the bird's eye view of you in the business today. How many people, locations, that kind of stuff. And then we'll go back and tell the story. Yeah, of course. 
So uh, Links Recruitment Group, which is which is let's say my main my main focus, mm-hmm. um, we've got twenty five people at this moment in time. Um, some aggressive growth plans for this year, which we can go into later on in 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 the uh, in the podcast. Um, we've got three locations at the moment: Cardiff being home, that's that's the central hub, and then yeah. we've got Birmingham and Bristol. Then so that that looks after West Midlands. And then we've got the Bristol office then that looks after the Southwest. Our central hub Cardiff predominantly looks after South Wales, but does also support UK wide because that's where all the back office marketing and so on exists. And mm-hmm. um, it's been a, a, an amazing time for us in terms of growth and where we are. Um, we've got some great people within the business right now and it's been going really well, but it's a, a challenge right now in, in terms of where we are at the moment. Are we are we absolutely smashing it for want of a better phrase? No. Were we? Yes. So I'm in a completely different place right now because had we have had this call last year, I'd have said to you that I am killing it. And I am <laughs> I'm doing, you know, I'm doing really, really well. Yeah. And I'm looking to expand my horizons, not only in the recruitment group, but I now want to become a property mogul and I'm going to go and buy land and build houses on because we were doing really, really well. The The team were pay handsomely. Everybody was living the dream. And I think COVID was good to us. That was during the COVID time. Yeah, so right. I, as an individual, got got caught up in this is life now. This is This is me. I've made it. I know I've I've got friends and people seeing what's going on and you you know as soon as you if you put I don't I'm quite private on social media but friends know that I've I've we've we've got a decent business and it's been successful and you know at that time you know you start to 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 maybe buy different things or go to different places and then you get everyone saying oh multi millionaire you're smashing it oh my god you've killed it and at that time nowhere near that you know nowhere near that smoke and mirrors but we were doing well as a business and i felt good and i felt like financial freedom is there i can see it lights at the end of the tunnel if it stays like this now 10 years time i'm done i'm yeah. good to go and i think covid finished then and 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 the recession has set in now and i can talk you through in more detail but we've we've had a wake up call i've had a wake up call personally as an individual uh, and I can, I'm happy to take people on 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 that journey, really, as as we well, go look, through. Man, that is an amazing way to start the show. I think it's the most humble, mm. honest uh, account of reality that I've Absolutely. had. Absolutely, three yeah. four years. What, what, what? Just before we get into it, just describe or remind us the industries you serve. So, group. What do they? What do you actually do? What's the yeah. industry? So our predominant industries are industrial, uh, manufacturing, logistics, and and commercial. There are there are three fields. We are we are industrial biased as a business, and we are temp biased also. So, eighty percent of what we do is temp. Um, it's in my bloodline. It's what I've been doing for fifteen years. It's not yeah. the it's not super sexy, high profitable stuff, but it's what I know, and I like to I like to to do what I feel like I'm educated in. So. That's mainly what we do. Um, industrial exists, you know, your, your warehouse operatives, your parcel sorters, your pickers packers, your, your, your FLTs, your production operatives, yeah. your high volume, 60, 70 people in one location or 30, 40 people across eight, nine locations. Um, and then in terms of commercial opportunities, then we do your call center, your intakes, your, your 30, 40 people at large recognizable banking institutions. And then from a logistics point of view, then we supply clients 
all over the UK across those sectors, in truth, as far as Scotland, London, Manchester, Bristol, Birmingham. Um, and we do those seamlessly, no matter which branch that's from, in essence. Um, and logistics-wise, we do HGV drivers, class one, two, seven and a half van. That's on volume and scale as well because of my background, which we can we can start from the beginning yeah. shortly. And then we've got an executive search team then that complement all of those clients in the temp field who then supply an executive search function to those clients. So our PERM division, if we want to call it that, has been built and is still building successfully well off the back of the temp clients' yeah. relationships that we hold. Yeah, makes sense. All right, got it. So let's go back then. So you talked about your background being important and and yeah. as it is impacted what how did you get into the industry what was the what's the base so so i was a i was a typical lad if you want to call it that you know i went through school um not respecting education um i came from a, a council estate my parents were working class people um mum doing two three jobs dad doing one job in a brewery that paid quite well and um, we as you know, in my early days when I was younger, we were we actually were were, were okay financially. Um, and I always remember, I always look back now now that I've grown up. We we had we had more than most. It's not 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 uh, material things, not flash cars, big houses, but we always had the the, the top clothes on our back, right? Mm -hmm. So I always thought my parents did extremely well. Um, and it it my dad then got made redundant, so it kind of went downhill from there. Then then sort of took on a job that wasn't paying as much money and we went through the transition of of feeling like you're on top to then to then not be you know um and ultimately from that point then we were just a very working class family um and I'll go into a bit more depth now the background behind my from my, my growing up in essence but they were good good people you know good people tried to give us everything but I guess now I look back the gifts and so on they weren't they weren't um they weren't given to us because they had the money it was um borrowed money in essence you know like wow. like like most back in back in that era so i think when my dad lost his job and so on i think that i now i now i'm old and i can understand how the dynamic changed you you see you you see that decline you know um and i think that from my perspective i was brought up to be hard working but I wasn't really brought up to focus on education and that's yeah. no fault fault of my parents. It was the, it was the era. It was about, you know, working class, work hard, earn enough money to, to pay the bills, roof over your head and do some nice things. Um, but I wasn't, I wasn't pushed to focus on education. Like what I'm doing with my daughter. Now I, I am hypersensitive about her going to the right school, getting the right education and making sure I can make her the best version of herself. Yeah. I've, I've, and I've really thanked my parents for that because I think had of they, I would, well, I'm blessed to where I am now. We'll go into that in more detail shortly. But I think because I didn't have that growing up, you can go two ways. You can either decide on, well, I didn't have it. So I'm not going to push my children in the same way because I didn't get it or yeah. I didn't have it. So I'm going to be extreme on pushing my children in the right way. So that's that's where I'm at. That's what Yeah, well you can go I mean I would say just to compare my I would say we're from a similar sort of background. Um my my mum worked at spa and my stepdad yeah. was a, was a truck driver, right? Yeah. So similar my dad, my dad was a taxi driver. So yeah. so, so but my I, one thing I would say is my mum was brilliant with not spending any money that we didn't have. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 
we we had enough of everything. We never we always had the what we needed, but yeah, same. No way, she never went into a penny of debt ever. Yeah, to the point where she's got no credit, got no credit rating from it. Like, wow. My mum is even even now they live on such humble amounts of money. It's incredible yeah. how they survive, yeah. which I think helped me out a lot in the in. But then my dad was buying those season tickets at City, Man City with, on, <laughs> on, on bet. Yeah. So I've got my mum and stepdad, and I've got my, my dad, and they're, they're, they're yin and yang, mm. complete yin and yang. So I, I saw both sides. Yeah. Um, and then education wise, again, I was a pushed. I was put in a Catholic school with an Irish background, but we weren't practicing. But my mum sent me there because she knew the education would be good. Yeah. And it, and it was. Um, so there was a focus there. I don't know. It was similar, but I probably yeah. came out in a good way with with a different. Yeah, way. absolutely. I think I think in 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 true respect to my parents, they were great people. You know, that like like my my dad's super inspirational character. You know, typical man's man, real as embedded real traditional values in me. So I provide well, my, my my partner. Never would I expect her to be the breadwinner. That's just just my my mindset. Um, I'm the protector. You know, I do. I do the the manly. I'd never expect my partner to take a car for an MOT or service or change her tires. You know, I I am super traditional, and that's because my dad my dad was that way, uh, and then my mum was the was the was the solid foundation in the house, food on the table, house house looked after, and just really provided that stability for for the men because I've got a brother, so it's my dad, my brother, and me, three men, and she was she was the. She was the strong character that kept it all together. Because I think if my dad was allowed to do what he wanted, he'd have gone off rogue. I was a rogue. My brother was was a mummy's boy, which we always laugh about, the favourite, so to speak. Yeah. If she watches this, she'll laugh. But that was that was our setup. Um, but really, really good people. You know, always, always had my back. Always, always protected us in the right way. But we had, like you said, we had just enough um, to to live. And how did you get into recruitment then? Was it? Uh... So, so I um so I was I was I was dating a girl um who and I moved away to Exeter for a bit thought that the the life would have been much better over there I don't know I I I you know how it is and um I then came back to so we split up I came back to Cardiff and I was living at home with my parents I was about 20 21 real diamond in the rough I was if I'm going to be completely honest so I I think I had the the right attitude but I had this sort of um do what I want mentality, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to do well no matter what. I'm just waiting for the universe to give it to me, which is yeah. ridiculous. So anyway, I um, I knew somebody who owned a recruitment company. They, they've been going a couple of years, small independent, um, but, but you know, doing doing well. And it certainly sort of changed the, the, the MD at the time, looked like he changed his life from what he'd been doing to that. Um, I went in and met him and I think that I had the right personality. So it was a very much recruit for attitude and train for skill scenario in my case. Um, and he gave me an opportunity and I'm, I'm ever so grateful that he did because I kind of, because I was naive, I was 20, 21 at the time. Um, no meant nothing to me. Rejection didn't mean anything. If I could have, if I could go back to feeling that way now, you know, and, and, and less the battle scars, I feel like I'd be unstoppable with my knowledge now, you know, because the rejection, I didn't see rejection then. You just went straight through. Um, now you overthink, you think about things, you overqualify things. Um, and yet he gave me an opportunity. So I, so I worked with them for uh, about three years and it was a, a really good three years. But naturally, then I started to evolve and thought, oh, I, 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 I know my craft here. And at the time, they were only a small independent. And I think I got caught up in let's join a much bigger company. You know, let's focus on 
how big is that company? What's their scale? What does that mean for my career and future progression? And then I moved on to a, a company then. Um, can we name names, Sean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I moved on to a company called um, ADR Network, and they were an incredible company in the logistics sector at the time. And we were managing contracts, Tesco's, uh, Morrison's, GSK, uh, Co-op, all big retail logistics uh, contracts, 120, 130 drivers a day on one contract. Um, and that, for me, to give them their absolute credit at that time, how they worked people was to another level. But I really, I'm ever so grateful for it because what, what it did, and, and this is true stories now, they're on call, won't be the same now. I don't even know if it'd be ethical anymore, but you would you would do your day shift and then you would cover an on-call then, which would be a regional on-call. So you'd have Mega, Crick and Tamworth, for instance. They would be five large DCs, distribution centers in essence. You're talking there might be 500 people out in that period. So you would do a night shift. You would do your day in work and you would genuinely do a night shift. I mean a call every five to six minutes, writing it down on paper, actioning it, dealing with it, clients moving plans. Can we move everyone forward by an hour? Can we move everyone forward by two hours? They were the common calls that you received because retail is so volatile to a point. And that for me, I did that for two or three years. The hard work didn't phase me. You know, but when I think about working now, Boxing Day, Christmas Day, New Year's Day, days off, it was insane. And I will give them the absolute credit that working for them transitioned my mind because I genuinely feel like for what I did for them, there's no nothing that compares from a hard work perspective. So, yeah, yeah it was it was insane. My, my partner says now, remember that company you work for? And it was like 24 hours a day that you would do or the, we were doing the weekends as well. So I'm busy now. Don't get me wrong. Busy in different ways. But for that day to day at the coal face was like nothing I'd ever experienced. And and that's my maybe as we move on and I'll tell you about my how I am here at Lynx. I sometimes ha struggle with the guys because I always have to tell them my story and they're like, oh, God, here he goes again. In my team, she phoned you up, I think. Um, she she worked in industrial recruitment in Sheffield. And she was on, she, had, she said she had her on-call phone, which yeah. meant that in the middle of the night, she'd, get, she'd have to get up and find a driver for somewhere. And I was like, what? And you, you get yeah. a normal amount for that? She's like, yeah. Honestly. And I'm like, yeah. Look that. No yeah, uh, yeah, it that. was it was unbelievable. It doesn't exist now, and we'll go on to how how the times have changed. That was a long time ago, but they were they were an amazing company. Um, and and like I said, the the if my view is if you can get away with it and people are willing to do it, then then why not? And and ultimately, when, did you, when did you know you were going to start a business? What year was that? Because you launched the same year as me, twenty seventeen. But when did you know did. it was so, going to be you, the founder? About tw about about six months prior to launching, so actually quite quick. You know, yeah. it was it was I I so I'll, I'll give you a, a quick um, overview. So left ADR, went to a, a big corporate um, uh, called Smart Solutions. Again, another brilliant company, great people, uh, really good in the recruitment space uh, for the sector that they focus on. Um, and again, they they really helped me. So ADR helped me refine the hard work ethic behind what you had to give to the industry to be rewarded. That was great. They didn't really challenge me technically because they didn't have anything to challenge me technically on because I had a role. I stayed in my lane and that's what I had to do. Joining Smart allowed me to challenge myself technically, allowed me to assume more of a managerial role. 
um, which then in, thought, I like this and this is where I want to be. So I then went full circle just briefly back to the first company I ever worked for. And I went back to that company as a director. Um, and then I think six months in then, Sean, I think I realized that I wanted to do things differently and I wanted to, um, the world was really becoming technological then. So I wanted to utilize that tech in the recruitment space, but the company I was with at the time weren't really on board with that. It took investment. It took time. It is going to, it was new. So no one really knew what they were doing, but I just knew that I wanted to try and create a more automated efficient recruitment model and something fun and sexy to work with because recruitment was coming a bit boring at the time. Um, and I wanted to, to start my own thing with my business partner at the time, uh, or still at the time, sorry, to, um, to create something that was unique and slightly different, which we can go into our model in a bit more detail because I'm sure we all say the same way unique. And the first question is why are you unique? Yeah, no, what's different? So yeah, launch links at the, in August 2017, right? Yeah, we did, yeah. With, was it you and Tiff that launched? Me and Tiffany, yeah. So we're still still business partners now. Um, you worked together before at the previous We place. did, yeah. So I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the, the, the funny story, really. So there was, um, I sat in my office in, in the company I was with at the time, and Tiff came in, and Tiff is a, a fantastic salesperson. She is amazing at the fluffy stuff. So I am very operational, um, very, very systems-driven. I'm just a, a big geek. Basically, that's that's who I am. Tiff is the salesperson. She she really nurtures relationships and can grow strong relationships with people. So there was a real strength and weaknesses, like a yin and yang, if you want to call it that. We sat down and I and we, we kind of struck up a nice friendship, you know, a good, good, good professional friendship. And I said, thinking of doing this on my own. And I don't know why. I just kind of threw it out there. Maybe I wanted to somebody to say, I think you'd be great at that, Dan. I think that that's you. You need to do it. I just needed the confidence at the time. And she said, I would really like to do it on my own as well. And I said, oh, would you like to do it? Would you like to do it on uh, together? And um, she said, yeah, we would. And that, and that is genuinely how it was born. We didn't really know each other very well. Didn't know her personally. We don't do much personally now, if I'm honest. Very, very business related. And that's how it was born. We just kind of took trust in one another, saw something and gave it a go. Love it. So take us back to the start then. How did you come up with the name? So uh, Tiff came up with the name, um, came up with links. We were just bouncing ideas off. There's a few, um, links, a few links recruitment banging about, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if whether she would tell me the secret, whether or not she copyrighted it and hoped that we wouldn't find out. I don't know. I'll have to ask her that maybe under a different umbrella. But but yeah, links links recruitment group in essence is... is um, was born out of linking people together, being the link between you and, and a candidate. So it had some um, had some thought behind it, some substance. Um, but we liked it. We liked the way it looked. Um, wrote it down and so on. Had a had a you know did a brand exercise. Got a third party to brand the business, and that's really important, I think. And and we'll we'll have some laughs momentarily when I tell you about how I am with brands because if you followed us over the five years, you'll say they are changing their brand like every six months that's how it feels right so i am ridiculous with the brands not tiff it's me so i do apologize to everybody out there um that you can never know who we truly are um but in essence we we i always recommend that you go to a real qualified third party to have your brand done don't try and create it yourself it's a small cost for you know you're going to pay a thousand pound fifteen hundred pound for someone to do your brand but it's the it's the 
face of your business basically so I, I i would always say to people if you can get the money together don't don't skimp on that because we yeah. did in the beginning in in truth in the early days a lot yeah. of people were like you know absolutely we designed the first hoxo logo like me and, and yeah and the non-design and then we got it done and we we're like yeah we're actually going through a rebrand ourselves so <laughs> yeah we've evolved yeah. into a branding agency now we weren't even that yeah. when we started with you no um, but we do that for a lot of businesses now and yeah companies and smaller ones and we're, we're doing it for ourselves but it's been brilliant actually to be on the other end of it because yeah the hoxo logo like, I've, I've got it tattooed here right so it's <laughs> awesome game, but, but they have they've designed a new version that's going to be going live and it's, it's, yeah. it's a slight evolution how many there. times have you rebranded out of curiosity since 2017 once this is it oh once oh, okay yeah. <laughs> that's no, embarrassing that's that. so we've changed the website four times we've yeah, changed same. Um, the strap line and the narrative the, the product itself of what we offer i mean what we did with you in 2019 yeah. we don't do any of that anymore like, we're okay. a completely different company but yeah the logo and the like color schemes have always been the same and um, yeah. that's what's going to change a bit so um but yeah if you look at it like the actual brand from a messaging i mean we're worlds apart every six months really but we've yeah. really hit it now um, so you launched with Tiff. Take us back to day one. Where were you yeah, based? So day like? one was um, IKEA desks, um, putting them together. I remember, and I'm terrible at, at those sort of things. So we had a garage-sized office mm. with a window that looked upon a brick wall. Um, nice. Yeah, it was lovely, and and but, but the window opened, so we were we we felt like we were winning, um, and it was a small office within a within a, a larger building in essence. Um, Sean, I, I'm going to be honest with you. They were they were probably some of the happiest times. Yeah. Yeah, really well. We all, me, me and Tiff always talk about the early days. I had my car branded. I had the Lynx logo on my car. I had a, a small BMW One Series, yeah, and I was living the dream. I, you know, everything was branded. My shirt was branded. My jacket was branded. <laughs> Just everything was branded. My car. I was so proud of of the brand. Still am. Still am. But just in a different way now. Just yeah. thinking about things differently. But yeah, so we we had a, a small uh, garage style office and. It was genuinely me and Tiff doing a 360 roll. Um, pen and paper was our CRM to begin with, which is crazy. I started the company to try and become innovative and 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 utilize tech to be advanced. And we had pen and paper to begin with. And I don't recommend that. No. Then we evolved to using Excel. <laughs> and then Excel then turned into Google Sheets and so on. So, but we we are in a completely different space now. And that that for me. It was the most exciting and fun time because it is true hunger, right? So I, I had left a job, paying good money, was stable, had a bit of savings, nothing too long, maybe three months to survive, but had a young you family. Young daughter at that time. Yeah, young daughter, mortgage to pay, bills to pay, and I was the provider, so I put that pressure on my shoulders. So it was, it was, it was what genuinely a survival. Say? Yeah, what absolutely. Did was... What did she say when you said you were going to quit the job and do it? Um, she my, my partner's not a risk taker right so so she, it's been horrific her being with me because i've got four businesses now um and you know and, and i'm still looking to focus on more so it's been really tough for her because i think she trusts me now i think she i think she at, at the beginning she's saying oh christ but yeah he's, he's trying to conquer the world he ain't got a clue what he's doing um and he's coming out with all these weird and wonderful ideas and nothing's really coming of it so anyway she was a bit dubious about the Lynx recruitment startup, I think, purely because I was on good, good money. Um, we had a good life, um, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it's not just about material things or money. It was about the freedom for me to be what I think, thought I could be in essence, you know? So she understands now, 
Um, but in the beginning, she didn't understand so much. <laughs> oh, bless her. Yeah. So, so you've got to deal with that at home, which is not easy. No. Like, how old was your daughter at the time you started? So my daughter, so the business is nearly six years old. So yeah. she would have been five, four wow. or five. Um, and I've been, you know, I've been ex- extremely lucky, right? My 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 partner had brought my brought my daughter up single handedly, I'd say, and and that sounds like I've never was home. The difficulty was when I was at home, I wasn't at home. Yeah, you know, you're on your phone. Yeah, you're on your emails. I'm not concentrating on the conversations. I'm thinking about the next opportunity, next deal. You almost become obsessed with it, and I don't regret that now because we we are where we are now. So I think you've got to go through that to a point. I think. I'm probably not the right person to listen to if everybody wants me to tell them about balance in life because I fail miserably at that. Um, I think as I've started to get a bit older, I'm starting to put my foot down a bit more with myself, so to speak, and trying to make sure that I prioritize family. But she's been amazing because she's brought my daughter up. She's been the rock at home and she's allowed me to, to fly, basically. I wanted to quickly interrupt this episode to update you on what it is I actually do all day, apart from the RAG podcast, of course. Now, most of you know from the episodes that I am the founder of Hoxo, right? What you probably don't know is that we're currently working with over 250 recruitment agencies and over 4,000 of their recruiters around the world in every continent and helping these businesses brand themselves and the people in the company better. Now. We have built a creative team over the last six years that helps manage the creation of new agency brands. Obviously, a lot of the listeners in the RAG are starting their businesses uh, for the first time. But more often than not, we rebrand tired companies. So many businesses we work with are smashing it when it comes to revenue and performance, but their website and their online story was built back when they started for like 500 quid and it just does not represent who they are today. So we believe getting that right becomes your, building a brand becomes your anchor. Now, every good brand also needs traffic, right? You need people to see it, to come to the website, see you online, and that's where your people come in. So we work to either manage the personal brands of your team, or we can teach you how to build the brand yourselves. All of it is designed to give you consistency on LinkedIn that helps you stand out from the competition show your personality, show and add value, and ultimately make more money. Now, I personally speak to potential new customers along with my business partner, Amma. So I would love to spend some time with you, my RAG listeners that I potentially don't even know yet. Any of you that are interested in building a brand that's fit for purpose in 2023 and beyond, come and speak to us. Just click the link in the show notes, fill in the form, and we will be in touch with you within 48 hours to book a 30 minutes video call ASAP. Right, back to the show. What sort of time in the day were you going out and getting back in the early days? So I would start my day at around about 5, 6 a.m. And I still do now, if I'm completely honest. I go to the gym, I work out every morning. um, And then I typically, anyone who knows me, and you can qualify this, it's not unusual for me to check out on the iPad here in the office at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. Well, so you'd be five and you'd be at work till 1. Yeah, one. So when we have new starters here, sometimes they they like I say behind my back. It sounds like they're being vicious, but I'll clock out eleven midnight, one o'clock. That's not being unusual. The amount of times that my partners thought I'm having an affair is being is absurd. Why, yeah. Is that because of the industry though? Is like you've got um, overnight shit going no, on. 
because you just because you of, no, not necessarily. Mainly because of it. Mainly because of me, really. Because what what you have to it's that's not all the time. But I'd say my average working day right now finishes at half seven, eight p.m. That's an early finish for me. If I get home, if I get home at seven o'clock, I feel like I've had like all the time in the world at home, which is crazy, right? Because you hear of nine till five. That that's never going to be me, and, and we've accepted that. I think the difficulty was is that certainly in the early days and and even now that in the daytime we've got you know 25 people here and they you know they 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 want their pound of flesh rightfully so they want to know where they're going and they want support and so on and we're still trying to massively push the business on so in the daytime let's say nine till five typical working hours that's all about being in the business you know working i'm still selling and liaising with clients and trying to push the business on I'm not paying people to do that. We're nowhere near the size. We haven't got that infrastructure yet. Um, and then at five o'clock when everybody goes home, that's my high level thinking time. Mm. That's the time when I put a new process in place or I look at the system that we want to bring in or or I look at reports and analyze data to see where we are. I can't do that between 12 and five because I'm at the call face. Um, so that's where my diary, I think, leads on. And, I, and I'm also involved in three other businesses that are, really successful too and as a group my my businesses combined have got about 55 people so you know they all want the same thing in essence you know and i've got fellow business partners in different sectors and different fields and other clients so yeah is that there's a lot i'm almost i do one business nine till five and then another business five till eight and then another business from eight till eleven should we say <laughs> wow uh, we'll get to the current day in a minute but we'll, we'll, let's go back to the early days so there's yeah you're working ridiculously early and late. You've got a young daughter. Yeah. Wife's got patience of a saint, it seems. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How did your how did it actually grow you and Tiff? So it goes from two of you. How was that first year in terms of like yeah. revenue, profit? Did it move in the right direction? Pretty so quick? it did. So I'll tell I'll there's a really important story for, uh, for everybody to know. So when we when we first started the business, about three months in, we had a contract um with a company called Palmer and Harvey at the time. And they they in essence went into administration for whoever knows them they were a sweet and confectionery company right quite a big company it was all in the news and so on and we, we we were given an opportunity with them um and they were giving us a lot of work so we were making some good money so you can imagine we've just started the business we're starting to make money quick um, and we're thinking this is incredible so we kind of put all our eggs in one basket so we employed a, a chap called lloyd davis who's still with us today and um, he was our first member of staff and the second day of after employing him and after three months of being open, we had Tiffany had a phone call and the phone call was from one of our candidates saying administrators have just turned up and Palm and Harvey have gone into administration. Wow. We were new to business at this time. We didn't really know what damage that meant. But all I knew was, is that if I looked at our ledger book with them, they owed us 60 K. Yeah. So naively you think, well, you're going to get that money back, right? You're going to, you know, you're going to get the 60K. They're a massive company and we'll just have to wait a bit longer. Well, that didn't happen. I think I had two pence to the pound in essence by the time it went through the wash about three years after the event. So you can imagine three months in now, we've got only three months of savings. We're fighting to survive in essence, as most new businesses are, unless you've got an investment or capital to, to grow. We've just employed Lloyd, second day in the business. He's left a job. For, he'd been there for like sort of five or six years, maybe longer. And we've just been taken for 60K, right? So... How did you cope I, with that? Can you remember what you, how you dealt with it on that day? Didn't tell my, didn't tell my partner. 
No. Tiffany didn't tell her partner. It was about, it was November. Uh, yeah, I know. It was like the 15th of November. So it was a couple of, couple of weeks before Christmas. Um, I think that that was a real moment for mine and Tiffany's business relationship to I've got your back and, and, and no matter what happens, we're going to, we're going to work together to make this work. And that, that for me was like the epiphany moment of, I'm going to give you my all now, you know, yeah. I'm going to, you're, you're my partner now, live or die. And we're going to, we're going to make a go of this. And um, in truth, we just, in, in credit to the factoring company we used at the time, which was Hitachi, uh, still use them now, but they're called Navona. And um, they kindly, they saw great value in what we were trying to do. We were good people. We had a, we, we, we really knew our craft and we were really driven to where we wanted to get to. So our account manager at the time, they've been amazing. They kindly took that 60K off our ledger, put it into a separate ledger, didn't charge us any interest on it and said, look, we want it. We want, we need to get this money back, but we're a massive company and we're not massively desperate for 60K. So we're going to help you continue the business. We're not going to force you into administration. We don't want that to happen. Just pay us the 60K back when you're making the money, ultimately. And by January, which is a super proud moment of ours, we paid them back 60K. So two months, we'd done 60K just from going out there, winning new business, fulfilling those opportunities ourselves. And that was a real good foundation setter for us. Um, and then onwards from that, then the universe started to, 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 to reward us then we, we, we deserved it. You know, we, we'd had the knock. You tried, you tried to, to try to stop us. We've shown that we're resilient and that our model can withstand that knock in the early days. And we just progressed from there. And I think then we, we took on an office that was too big for us for after that point. So it was way too big for us. It was a, it was a 15 person office system and there was three of us. So that, that, is that I say, is that a signal symbol though, that we're going to grow? Is that like, yeah, absolutely. So, so there's times, there's times when you've, you've got to overexert yourself to a point, you know, not, not foolishly, but it, I think we, we didn't want to grow slowly and we didn't want to go from a three, a two person office, three person office to five to eight to 10 to 15. We wanted to get an office that we aspired to grow into. And if I was giving anyone any advice in the early days is that, yeah, don't waste your cash. You know, keep, keep, be, be cash is king in the beginning, but don't be afraid to have a vision and, and put something around you that in, motivates you, whether that's buying a bigger house or buying a, a, a nice car or whatever that may be. Don't be afraid to take that risk. You know, I, I, I'm now a believer. What's the worst that can happen really? You know, if you're healthy, you've got your family, children are healthy, you've got friends, yeah. you know, put yourself out there, you know, take a risk, get one life, give yeah. it a go. And if it doesn't work, scale back, Yeah, you know, and, and that's what we did. So we, we quickly grew into that office as well because kind of put us into another gear, you know, puff the chest out, got the big office now, you know, I, I, I could talk to the bigger clients, you know, this is me, I'm Dan, I've got the big office. I, yeah. I know, I know my stuff and you should work with us because we're the best. And, gave me gave me some inner confidence in in what we were trying to achieve and that i think really resonated then in how i conducted myself and how i spoke and the team then i think became everybody just really motivated where we were going and the pathway that we were on and we just grew into that office then organically we were just hiring people good people people that were covering their seat that's really important in the beginning make sure that you bring people in that can add value um, and that can cover their seat because then they cost going, negative. Were you going after experienced people? Or were you yeah, we did. We did. In the, Lloyd wasn't. Lloyd was new, um, but he was a good, good guy. You know, well educated, easy to train, 
still with us to this day, knows the ins and outs of the, everything that we do in the business. So he was the right hire. Onwards from that, then we did employ uh, people who'd been in the industry before. Um, and that was purely because we only had a certain amount of cash flow to cover people coming in. So they had to had to make headway quickly yeah, and, and become have, a, have the bandwidth or the exactly that yeah we couldn't yeah we couldn't create a graduate graduate scheme we couldn't create a training camp for new people new blood we weren't at that point so we made the right hires those people some of those people are still with us now some are not um yeah and they helped us just push that business on and then it's allowed me then to take a bit of a step back predominantly and then start to focus on on strategizing then and where we're going next and start to come up with something a, a bit more focused led so when did you start, pretty direct question, when did you start making some decent money where you're like, you know, net profit after everything, the business is starting, you feel like you're in a good position? Because it yeah, took us, one. I think we took about probably best part of two and a half, three years to really yeah. feel that way. So yeah, you year were, one. Yeah, year one. one. Yeah, first year. First year, first year we were really profitable um, because it because it was only mine and Tiffany's overhead, small yeah. office, Lloyd. And we were making good money because we were working 15 hours a day, fulfilling all the bookings ourselves. And we were doing all the work ourselves. Yeah. That is, that, you know, ultimately, that is the most profitable way of doing business. Do it yourself. You know, you don't you don't have overheads. The, you know, salaries are the biggest cost to our business now. Yeah. So yeah. at the first year, we were making good money for me, Tiff, Lloyd and the business. But it was only always, you were always going to reinvest that, weren't you? You're Absolutely. Yeah. Year two was horrific. We made no money because we put it all back in, you know? And, and, and that's, and that's the reality. People yeah. need to know this shit. Absolutely. Year two, made no money. We put it all back in. It was terrible. Um, year three, we made... Did the business grow from a revenue perspective? It did. Cost, yeah, it did. Yeah, level, absolutely. Yeah. Revenue looked amazing. You know, you put the revenue out on social media, you tell your friends and family about revenue, they think you're smashing it again. And then, and then you... To be honest, the amount of time... I jump on a sales... I jump on a recruitment call. I'm still on recruitment calls with you know, dealing with recruitment companies every day, which I think I'll need to get off soon because it's, mm. growing, it's getting a bit to the point where I can't do that strategic thinking you were talking yeah. about anyway. Um, the amount of people who tell me about the revenue, like, you know, <laughs> 1.23 million in revenue. I'm like, if, yeah. if you're a tent... Yeah. That's the bottom line. But if you're a tent business, that's bullshit. Like, yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Like, there's, there's three numbers. There's revenue. There's, there's GP, net V income. Yeah. What, what, when you get rid of paying your contractors, how much Absolutely. money do you want? And then yeah. you got net. What have you left with? Like, yeah, don't care about the top line. No, you're completely, you're completely you're right. Unless you're trying to get like factoring or something, you're trying to get some kind of credit facility. Yeah, it doesn't matter. No, so it is funny that. But for so, so second year, there was no real money there. There's no, 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 no real money second year. Um, and and I and I'd safely say from a profitability point of view, I'd say the first year was probably the best in terms wow. of raw hard cash available. Yeah. Split it 50 50 because that's the arrangement that we had, yeah. and I'd have been probably wealthier than I am now. If I'm really honest, that's, that's <laughs> which, yeah, I don't want to really talk about this too much yeah. to tell the truth because I feel like I'm going to be a bit depressed. Um, no, no, but, no, no. you know, scale, scale comes with more money out the door, yeah, right? That's the reality of it. You've got a our wage bill is crazy steep, you know, yeah. it's big, we pay good money. Um, and, and it's, and it, you just got to get over that, but you, you do, you do have to keep, and we've always kept a close eye on the bottom line because it is super important. We have been profitable other than year two. That was my fault though, in all fairness, other than year two, we've been profitable each well, year. Well, that's a good point. Why, what did you do wrong? If you look back now, we just, it wasn't necessarily wrong. We just went, 
I just got super overexcited with having that cash and reinvesting. But where we are, where we are today with the systems that we use and, and, and the processes that we have because of the reinvestment. So we just made a decision. Year one, we made some good money. Is this a lifestyle? And, and it was that you, you have two conversations with yourself. Tiff, are you happy with the lifestyle business? Should we keep it as me and you with Lloyd and maybe one other? And we have a lifestyle business and we do this and we'll earn good money. Right? Are you happy with that? No, we want to be a 30 million pound company and we want to have 50 people and we want to be an employer of choice. And that was the conversation that was reciprocated between us both. Yeah. So we then reinvested because the reinvestment, we needed to reinvest to put us into the league of others to be able to secure the opportunities that we felt that we we needed to get us to that point. So then you start putting money in, you start investing in solutions, technology, all the rest of it, yeah. your profits basically non-existent. Yeah. When did that start to peak back up again and how? Um, in terms of the reinvestment happened quite quickly after the first year. Um, I'd say that the profits then started to peak then um, about six months later. By the time by the time you come up with a strategy and how those processes are going to work and sales is a cycle anyway. Um, so you don't get too many super quick wins, certainly bigger fruitful contracts they do take some time um, yeah. but we've always in all in all fairness Sean, to 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 one of our accolades we've always turned things around quite quickly we've never been a company that's have invested and then not really pushed that investment through every investment we've made has benefited the company and has quickly benefited it as well that's the beauty of, of recruitment you can make changes that you and you can quickly see a reward um and and that's what i do love about the industry as well um and I think that we've always turned things into a profitable situation quite quickly. We've never touched wood at the moment, had any hairy moments other than the point that we had three months in where yeah. we where we lost that 60K. So when it comes to grow, like the business growing after that second year and it's, it's a bit more stability in, 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 you know, we're not investing everything all the time. We're actually building. Well, how does your role evolve? Because you mentioned you're more operational, but in the early yeah. days, you were meeting every client, you're on it all Absolutely. day. How is your role starting to evolve as you get to like the 10, 15 people mark? What changes? So I, so I had a comment. So we are, we're just about to do a big marketing piece with a, with a, with a company. And um, they came in the other day to, to interview me on that. And I, I'm re I like to be authentic. Right? I just, you know, say it, sort of say it how it is and be completely honest about, about the journey. And it's funny you should ask about how the role is, evolved so i was saying to them that in the early days i was almost hitler-esque in my approach right and that wasn't because i'm a bad person i just believed that the business had to be perfect we couldn't make a mistake we couldn't send an email out with a grammatical error we 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 everything had to be perfect and it was i think about my guys now bless them who are still with me and i i just think jesus christ i was full on I was the guy when an email came through, I would quickly forward it on and say, and is this being dealt with? Has this yeah. been dealt with? Yeah. Yeah. When when they'd had the email and they were capable individuals and I was cross-checking their work eight, nine o'clock at night, has this been done? Has this been done? Has this been done? Yeah. And I look back now and I think that my role, I think I've evolved. I think that not if we think about the role, I'd say I was very cold faced, meeting clients, recruiting candidates, going to candidates' houses, registering in my car, dropping and PPE at six o'clock in the morning. I've done all that. I've, yeah. I've genuinely earned my stripes. The, the, the team know that. I think the reason why we've grown now and we've got great people is because I have 
realize that you have to empower others to allow them to spread their wings because you're paying them to be good people. And I clipped in the early days, I clipped the wings of a lot of our guys. It's probably something that I'll be truthful about. I was so obsessed because the business was me, my reputation. I was links and that was wrong. And I looked at it all the wrong way. And that's really good advice for every business owner because when you own something, you you have this almost crazy love for it like a child right yeah and, i can't describe it like it's, yeah and it's i've really done the same strange thing. i've done the same thing yeah you know, hundred without a doubt i've done the, like, the same thing yeah and you know you know what are we six years in now same and it's uh i'm not even in my agency anymore so the business yeah. that manages accounts i don't i don't go anywhere near it like they don't yeah. want more of it like get out yeah. sort of like, so, <laughs> honestly i'm gonna kick me out in 2021 yeah. you're not even my my coaching program which i'm you know i'm i'm living and breathing i'm now at the point where i'm like this ain't gonna go any further like we're at yeah. a great point we're growing we're growing ridiculously but I know I'm the limitation now. So it's yeah. like, how do I pull myself out and evolve? Of course. We're going through this journey. Even like I say, yeah. some days I'll be doing eight or nine sales calls with recruitment owners, which I, I love, by the way. Like, I don't, yeah. but it ain't scalable. It's not no. repeatable. It's like, you know, it's yeah. too much. So I've definitely done that. I've, I've yeah. definitely, you know, good people have left. And I reckon yeah. they've, gone, they've gone and done their own thing and for their own reasons. But I reckon yeah. I probably didn't help yeah absolutely and that's really authentic of you to say because that that's that's in essence exactly what i'm saying i i would believe that some people what i think what people would say who have left maybe would say dan knows his stuff and he knows where he's going and i respect him from a, a recruitment perspective is he a bit tough at times <laughs> yeah maybe he is was it a problem that I made a, a grammar error in my email and, and he seemed extremely upset about that? I think it's a bit ridiculous. And and I think what, for me, that sounds absurd. I think it was just I was hypersensitive over any mistakes. You have I was, You've got a high expectation. that Scared of losing the client as well. Yeah. Scared of, scared yeah. of you know, we, we've won that client. We've locked that client in. It's a saturated market. If we're making mistakes, clients are going to see that. I just overthought everything. And you're right that... I think if I continued like that, there was never going to be any scalability. And what I will say to people is stop doing that because when you empower other people to be good, if not better at things, it's amazing to see. I love it now. Some of the guys here know much more than me now in certain things. I hate it because I'm competitive and I want to know it all, but I'm also a businessman. And I also understand that by having people who are in the business, it's a famous saying, who are better than you, is how you're going to achieve great success because you can't do it on your own. So talk us through that journey then. So you've identified, first thing you've got to be aware of it, which yeah, sounds like you were. What did you then do to pull yourself away and stop being so controlling, maybe less on the tools? What what have you actually done in, as a journey there? So I think there's, there's, there's a, a few simple things to do. So every business has what you call group emails, so to speak. So you'll have 40 group emails in a recruitment business for every client and so on and payroll. And I was on every single one of those, right? So I would put my two pence in on everything that went wrong. Because I felt like I, I remember being on all of them. Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. There we go. So we're talking about a simple solution here. Come off them. If you're, pay, if you're paying your back office people to run finance and you've got a finance manager with two finance administrators who are really capable people, why are you on the email? Why aren't you saying to those individuals, if something goes wrong that you can't deal with, I'm here to support you. 
I'm down the corridor. Give me a call. Send me a Slack. Whatever you need, I'm here. We've I don't need to be been working on that today. Like yeah. escalation. What is it? What 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 warrants escalation? Like why exactly. do I? Why am I in yeah. that chat? And when? Yeah. when I mean, it's exactly that. And and it was a simple transition, really, that I was on every single email. So I was involved and having my say on everything. And what I was doing as well, I was I was um, not empowering the managers because I was superseding their decisions, not not sort of saying, no, don't do it that way. But because I'm online, probably more than what they are, it comes through and I would resolve it. I give I give the right answer, same answer they would give. But. I'm not I'm not giving them an opportunity to manage. And I was almost impacting the levels of respect that should exist within a business between management and, and team and staff. And I was just way too involved. So I took myself out of that. Um, and now and now, in truth, I act much less like a manager. I act, I act more like a support function now. I, I, I act I, I'm here to my my view and mindset now is I'm here to support. What do you need from me? You know, where where before, Sean, if I'm honest, it was more so what do I need from you? What do I need you to do? It's a I'm in a completely different space now. I'm I'm here to help. You know, I've been doing this a long time. I need you to make the decision and I'm here to catch you if you fall. That's wow. that's the the mindset that I'm in now. So what what team have you got around you now that means you can be in that role? So we've got a dedicated sales team. So I I I probably um role within the business i probably look after the business overall so to speak um in terms of the finances i i'm looking after the the ledger book making sure that's okay liaising with clients if they haven't paid just do, doing the stuff that is probably good for me to do um and i probably need to to this we'll go on to how we're going to scale now in the future because i'm probably still doing a lot of stuff that others could do yeah. um, and we probably just need to employ people to do that but we've got a dedicated sales team who are doing that Tiff's still in it. So Tiff is Tiff is the director of that division. So Tiff doesn't really get involved in the operational side of the business. Her strength is sales. We've yeah. we we focus on that, you know, focus, and that's what she's always done. And she's awesome at that. And and she'll stay there forever, you know, as long as links exists. She's got a team around her now, great people as well, experienced, solid, which we've worked hard to achieve. It's been turbulent, don't get me wrong. And good salespeople are hard to find, especially in the recruitment space. And then we've got a dedicated back office team, dedicated marketing team. We've got our operational consultants then as well. And then we've got our managers in place then for each of their teams in essence. So the structure's there now. You know, I, I, I could I could I go away for six months and the business would continue? Yeah, it absolutely would. Would I want to do that? No, absolutely yeah. not. Um, but but I'm now proud that. How that long has this take taken to go from you're on every email, you're controlling everything? To four this. years. Fucking hell, that is a while. Isn't four it? years, long time. Yeah, that's that was my fault. I stayed on it way too long. I stayed on it way too long. Was trying to do too much. And so lost. let's go back to the. I want to get like four or five things. You've got you get out the email. Yeah. So that what that was the first one. Yeah. What, what are the little practical things have we got then that you can do to choose 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 what is important. Right. What what can what can you change if an email is sent out and it doesn't look how you would have expected it to look? Is it a major problem? Has it offended anybody? No, probably not. Well, leave it alone then. Just leave if it. You're not in the email. You're not going to know anyway. So no, first, exactly. Fuck out the email. Yeah, then exactly that. Yeah. You have to. Is there around? A, is it a recruitment game then? What are you doing to to ensure that you're moving up the tree? I think in terms of how how I think I'm just 
allowing the guys to flourish and make their own decisions and making clear i think i've communication is key so i think what we've done is we've set out the store so we've set out now that dan is not i'm not the final decision maker because everybody are you're the owner so you'll always make the final decision no no i won't that's not that's not how this should work your manager is there to make that decision if they make the wrong decision then i'll support the manager and we and we've created not that I want to be distant from the guys, but we've created the separation, you know, and that's and that's been really important. Now the guys, that the consultants don't knock on my door to ask me something. They could ask their manager because they feel like they need to ask Dan. They now go to their manager, and that was just that was just communication. If I'm completely honest with you, Sean, that was just a, a, a Teams call or a meeting face to face with everybody, and in essence, set the stall out. So we set the stall out create the structure and just make sure people follow it. And if you've got good people, it's not difficult to do. It's just, it's all the power of communication. Here's a message from our newest sponsor in 2023, The Recruit Hub. Are you thinking about starting a recruiting business in the UK or the USA? If you've thought about it, if you've got any desire to start a recruiting business in the future, or you might have just started up and you think, am I doing it right? then you can download a startup blueprint and access key information. Information relating to funding. How much money do you actually need and what are your options? Knowing where you stand. You know, what is your non-compete and do you have any restrictions you really need to consider? Do you need a co-founder? What do you need to know about going alone, going with someone else? How to automate your way to billing faster. Business planning basics. Things like, what is a business plan and how do you write one? Um, And then how do you come up with a name and build a brand? Now, if you are interested in taking this document, our newest sponsor are giving it away for free. They are called Recruit Hub and you can get it at recruit-hub.com forward slash startup hyphen blueprint. The link to this message is in the show notes. So go away, get that free information and see if you're capable of starting a new business or... The business you've just started, is it set up for success? Let me know. It's amazing though, because most of our industry, like over 80%, never gets past 10 staff. And I think it it really comes down to those things. It's it's because the owner's a control freak. Yeah, now, agreed. If they choose the lifestyle because it's profitable and that, that's brilliant. That's great. Yeah. That's, that's refreshing. But yeah. they, they think they're going to grow to to sell and become a 50 yeah. million pound business. But then they're obsessed with everything. So yeah. there's, there's yeah. that combination that people Absolutely. That's what I'm trying to show on the show. It's not everyone doesn't need to be Dan Putic. You can be a one-man band and love it, but yeah. you've got to accept what you want to be and, and move in that direction, right? Of course. Um, and I, you know, we've been battling with that. That, you know, because my brand is so synonymous with the business. Yeah. How does that pull? What do I need to do and what do I not need to do? And I'm moving yes. into more of a a brand ambassador marketing. Yeah. I really, I, honestly, like my thing is marketing. Like that's all I yeah. branding and social and the. The, the, the client acquisition and the customer retention. Like I'm obsessed with like that vision above it. Yeah. The actual detail of running it, I'm not the best at. There's better yes. people on it. But yeah. I, I can't really be sucked into anything too much because I get sick of it. I need to be yeah. a bit above it, which is... Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's... Uh, I feel like a crazy professor sometimes. <laughs> my hair's gone like Dr. Wheat. Like, <laughs> um, but you know, that, that, but we're, you know, what you're talking about there is that in essence that we've got... We've, like we said, we've got Tiff, who is very salesy. No, no, not not operational, but but really, really salesy. But then you've got me, then who um, 
is is operational and i, I can be salesy at, at times don't get me wrong uh, but i'm a very facts and and figures and 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 matter of fact sort of person and i'm probably the the second stage of a sales process so to speak um but it's worked really well the setup has worked well we've still got people who have been with us for a long time so we've done something right but we haven't i haven't always been everyone's cup of tea <laughs> let's go back to we've, we've played on this a lot and it makes sense but we, you did make a really strong point at the start of the show that a year ago for example you were a different person different yeah business. absolutely so let's go back to the 2022 was a bumper year like 21 22 yeah post-covid everyone did well I don't, I don't know any recruitment company that wasn't growing at like yeah. record months so what impact did that have on you personally that made you feel perhaps or what what happened that you look back and think I had a chip on my shoulder. I took my foot off the gas. Like, talk us through that. Problem. Yeah. So foot off the gas. That is the, that is the word for it, really. If I was being completely honest, um, we so COVID came. We had uh, two or three really lucrative contracts. They were going great, earning good, good profit. And we thought this is amazing. Then they continued on a bit longer than we'd expected. And we just became complacent. The whole company did, though. We allowed I allowed that. We weren't. We we stopped focusing on sales. We 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 lost a, a couple of salespeople because, and we probably lost them because we weren't really pushing the sales. See, so we were profitable. So I was thinking, oh god, well, I'm gonna take a little bit more time off. I'm gonna go into the office late, um, and I can relax a bit because the money is flowing in. Go to the gym a bit later. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, it was. I just, I just, I just relaxed a bit sean to be completely honest and and didn't lose my fire and um, but i like i said i was involved in some other business ventures as well and so on and, and i was investing a bit of time in those and i thought well the recruitment company is smashing it and that's taking care of itself and that's awesome and i'll leave them to it great i'll focus on something else and we we were really blind naive and arrogant to those contracts weren't going to last forever and i know i knew that I just got caught up in money each week, looked good, bank was healthy, no debt. Great. This is amazing. And in my mind, I thought, oh, well, I'll worry about, you know, when they go afterwards because we'll stockpile. Luckily, what we didn't do, um, so we, we got complacent, took our foot off the gas. Didn't Tiff was on our own in the sales team. We've now got six. So you can you can really see how much, how how lack of respect we gave to the sales strategies. We left Tiff on our own. You're all sat feeding yeah. off the client base thinking. Absolutely. Forever, yeah, exactly that. You know, the consultants fed off the client base. I fed off the client base. Tiff was just doing sales now and then, cherry picking good contracts. You know, we were we com 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 became completely disillusioned with it might not be there tomorrow. And then the worst thing happened. All those contracts ended at the same time, there or thereabouts. But luckily i'll say about us is that we were not we weren't too far down the black hole to see what we needed to do and then the famous saying of we had the rocket up our ass is the best way to put it you know we had a right kick up the ass a real humbling moment of we let the we drop the ball yeah we, we actually like so obviously contracts leave was it like a serious drop in revenue? Yeah, was well, uh, well, revenue. We spoke revenue irrelevant, profit bottom line. You know, our our, over, our overheads per month are X, and I'm now looking at where we're now having to cover fifty percent of that with the money that we've got capital that's in the bank. Oh, you know, you don't want to be exactly. Down. So, so we've we had an amazing COVID. We're all championing. This is fantastic. We stopped. Luckily, we stockpiled, so we'd already made all of our investments. Yeah. So the money that came in was 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 profit in essence so we stockpiled we were in a good place we've always said 
We have to have six months worth of capital. It's not realistic in the beginning, but when you can, we yeah. always focused on six months capital in the bank, close the doors and be able to sustain having no business at all. Yeah. We've always championed that. And we and we, we we're at that point and we've been there for quite a while and we always will be. We never go below right. that point. So that was scary for us then because obviously those contracts finished and we sat there. Then we then we then we obviously had the rocket up our ass. Then we started to analyze the data properly. And look at where we are, which we have been doing because I was off sending myself somewhere drinking pina colada. And ultimately, then it was, oh, sh shit, we've 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 forgotten where we came from. We didn't we didn't we weren't running around living a lavish lifestyle. We just forgotten that. You've got to keep going and you've got to keep your foot on the gas and you've just and we stunted our growth, I'd say for the last year, at least we probably could have been in a bigger position if we'd marked in the marketing. If we'd invested in the sales team, if we'd had a proper strategy, we've lost a year, Sean, if I'm honest, because we we were happy with where we got to from a profit point of view. You know, we 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 progressed personally. The business had, had we'd created a state of the art HQ in South Wales, same in Bristol and in the Midlands. We'd spent a lot of money on it Um, didn't really impact us financially either. So we thought, bloody hell, you know, we're doing all this. We're doing the office. The office is amazing. And we were still making good money. And then they both all those contracts finished and we were like, shit, you know, we've got to got to get our arse in gear here. And it's the best thing that's happened to us, Sean. The best thing. I don't say I don't recommend it. You know, don't 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 do it willy nilly. But for me as a person, it's been amazing because I have been five years in business working 15, 16 hours a day. And I'll admit I became complacent and I lost my fire. And I lost a bit of drive and I wasn't what I was when we first set up that office in 2017. I'm back now because we've had a scary moment. So do you think, because what you said before, could you leave and the business would be okay for six months? Yeah. Yeah. But the truth is they're probably we'll not, not at that level. They're not at that no. level either yet. That no. They still need you driving. They still oh, need absolutely. You. Yeah. There'll yeah. be a point where someone else will take over your and, and yeah. will run, but yeah, we're only five years old, to be yeah. honest. So I think I think that having somebody having a version of me, you know, to, to feel the same way I do about the brand and the business is maybe unrealistic five years. Um, and I think that as we scale the business now, we've got to look to the marketplace and look at um, employing people who, who can pick that mantle up. We've got a couple of people here that I think in a few years time could. Um, but then that'll be we need to get to a point of profitability security to allow me to then really uh, let them step in, it, you know, and we're not at that point now We're we're in a growth phase. We need more clients. We have to bolster our client portfolio. And we are now, I you know I've been transparent on the call. We've now got some, we've got some costs to cover. You know, we, we, we are, we are clawing it back in, in, in all fairness. We are, we are doing really well because we've got an amazing sales team now. So, you know, imagine we've gone from having TIFF to six. So you can imagine how that, how the energy feels in the office now. It's chaos, but organized and fun chaos. We've got an amazing marketing strategy now that's been supported by a big marketing campaign. And um, we've created new systems. We're still using HubSpot, thanks to you guys. And we are safely, I'd say, experts. We're using the sequencing on there. Um, and that has been revolutionary. I can't champion HubSpot enough. And we we are kicking on big time. We we have an amazing brand. 
We're super innovative as a company. You know, we're doing our client locations are geofenced for our candidates to check in and check out. We have abolished timesheets. Everything is digital. We don't do anything pen to paper at all. And um, we're using tools like Monday.com to control our whole recruitment process. Um, wow. so we are we are in a really strong place. Our business is we've just had a new starter with us actually, who's come from a recruitment background of 15 years. And she's like, I've never seen anything like it. The innovation and the stuff that you use is just insane. And she's almost scared of it. Because you're not 100% on the tools. If you were 100% in sales all day, it wouldn't be possible. You, you, you need someone no. looking at the bit, looking at the bit. Yeah. 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 I'm like, I'm like sort of the chief tech officer it running, running joke. That's that. That's probably ultimately what my role would transition into. I love technology. I love automation systems, you know, I, I was speaking with a big recruitment company a couple of weeks ago and they'd never even heard of like likes of Trello, for mm. instance. And and you almost look, you almost, sorry, having you had a Trello. It's like a free system, task management. Oh no, yeah. we just have Excel or write we it down on, right on paper. Like, what? And they, they're a successful company. And then we say about people working remotely and how people communicate. And I say, well, Slack, Slack is a, like a free yeah. global company. Slack, never heard of Slack. What? I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, it's like wow, it is like wow, you know, and and that's not that's not arrogant. That's just I th I think that those tools are.